pertaining to Satan. Uh, this one we will subtitle The Devices of Satan. The Devices of Satan. And this is just Satan number two is the title of the message, but we have a subtitle. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul's writing and he's, he's, he's writing from the first chapter. This whole portion, really, if we were going to look at the context of it, uh, would begin at chapter 1 and verse 1, but for time's sake, he comes in here and he, he writes this in verse 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And just as God uses means, so Satan has devices. And the Bible tells us that Paul writes to the church of Corinth, and the church of Corinth was a church that had some uh, schisms and divisions, and there was some turmoil in it. And they were tolerating open sin in the church. And uh, there's a difference between our sin natures and then an open sin in the church. And there was an individual who was committing an open sin and it was one that Paul said wasn't even named among the Gentiles. And so uh, he wrote to them, he says, you need to deal with this. And they dealt with it. And now he's telling them, you need to forgive the person and restore the person and reinstate them, granting them all the privileges and duties of a church member. And he says, if you don't, if you're too harsh with people, just like if you're too light with some, that's how Satan works. And so we examine here in the Scriptures tonight, the Bible tells us that Satan, he... He has devices, and we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. We don't face an enemy that we don't know about. Right. Remember we said last week in our, our message and in our lesson, the one writer, a, a uh, military strategist, he said, Know thy enemy and know thyself, and in a hundred battles you'll never be defeated. Well, we're not ignorant of Satan. We're not ignorant of his tactics. Of how he goes about warring against us. Remember we said last week that he walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, we know what his devices are that he may do this. The word devices means to plan. Satan has a plan. Just like God has a plan, Satan has a plan. Just as God has thought out, the Bible says that He knows the end from the beginning. God has planned and purposed and He's going to bring it to pass. Well, Satan's got a plan and he's thought it out and he has an evil purpose and he tries to bring it out. The difference is God's purpose cannot be thwarted and Satan's purpose can and God does thwart it. And even sometimes Satan's purposes, God turns them for the good of us and the glory of God. Look over in Ephesians 6, if you would. Again, the devices of Satan. We're going to note them this evening. And in Ephesians chapter 6, noting verse 11, the Bible tells us, 
to put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the tricks of the devil. Now I want you to notice that we put on the armor of God not to avoid the tricks of the devil, not to get away from them, but to stand against them. See, you and I oftentimes in our fleshly nature, we want to go through life and not have any problems whatsoever. We need to get over that line of thinking. We're going to have trouble, as Paul said, on every side. So let's not be deceived because he is walking about as a roaring lion. He is seeking whom he may devour. And there are devices that he uses. One writer said that Satan is so shrewd, so apt at evil, so well-timed are his enticements. And you and I ought to make no mistake, we will lose if we fight him in our own strength and ability. I want to note, first of all tonight, when it comes to the devices or the tricks of Satan, that first of all, he makes accusations, false accusations. If you turn over to Genesis chapter 3, God or Satan will make false accusations against anyone and everyone. He'll make them against himself. He'll make them against the Lord. He'll make them against you and me, against brothers and sisters in Christ. He'll make them against his own ministers of, of false teachings and false doctrine. He doesn't care. He will assault his own false churches if it will hinder the Lord's church from doing the Lord's work. You see, all of the churches that have shut down and closed, and Satan, the God of this world, is told uh, churches, and he's using the government, I believe, to do it, and he's saying that you're not to assemble. Well, that includes all the false churches as well as the Lord's churches, doesn't it? Here in first or Genesis chapter 3, you remember from last week, the word devil means false accuser or slanderer. That's exactly what he is. He is a false accuser and a slanderer. And you look here in the garden, Satan made an accusation against God. The first thing that he ever did, and he came on the scene very quickly, and let's read in Genesis 3 and verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Notice that. Right away. Right away. He begins off with an accusation against God. Yea, hath God said. And the woman replied, Notice how he says there in verse 1, Satan, he says, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. 
So right away, he says, oh, has God said that you can't eat of all of these trees? And she says, no. We can eat of all of them, just not this one right here in the middle of the garden. Because if we eat of it, we'll die. And the serpent, verse 4, said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So right away, he accuses God of lying to his creation. And the next verse, he makes another accusation where he says, the reason God doesn't want you to eat of this tree is because if you do, then you'll be just like him. And you know what? That's the exact opposite of what happened, wasn't it? They couldn't have been farther from God when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says in verse 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He says, oh, God knows if you eat this, why, you'll be as He is. Your eyes will be open. Ye shall be as gods. Well, who wouldn't want to be as gods? Another false accusation. He said, oh, God knows. Well, God knew a whole lot of things. But you see how he slants this and he makes it where he's, he said, God doesn't want you to be like him. He accuses God to the woman that God was trying to hide some good thing from them by forbidding them from eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, for you and I who are saved by the grace of God, and this is so wonderfully true of a statement, the Bible tells us, and we're told, and I can't lay, uh, here it is, Psalm 84 and verse 11. Psalm 84 and verse 11. There's a story. And, and, and it happened to me as well. And, and it happened to another fella. And I've been accused of, 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 of saying it was me. And it really was. But went into a, a gas station and went in there with, with, to get something to drink with one of the kids some years ago. And, you know, it was a Mega Millions deal on the lot of and I'd gone up to, to get it, and everybody in line was buying lotto tickets. I mean, it was millions and millions of dollars. And we got up there, and, and I had said to Lacey, I goes, I want these two drinks right here. She says, you want a lotto ticket? I says, no, I don't want a lotto ticket. She said, well, it's, it's a lot of money. And I says, I understand that. I'll just take these two drinks. And she said, I can't believe you're not getting this. And I said, well, the Bible says that God will withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly. It says it right here in the 84th Psalm in verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. He wanted me to have millions and millions. I'd have millions and millions, wouldn't I? And He ain't going to use the lotto to do it. What we see here is that Satan said... God knows that it's going to be for your benefit. Well, God knew it wasn't for their benefit. He will withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly. Either you're not walking uprightly 
and you therefore cannot handle this good thing, or you're walking uprightly and it's not as good as you think it might be, or as Satan expresses it is that it is. We'll go over to the book of Job. Job chapter 1. And look here, if you would, verse 9 and 10. Again, Satan accuses. Here we find he makes an accusation against Job that Job is only serving God for uh, physical and financial prosperity. You know, isn't it amazing? There are some people that do that. You know who they are? They're Satan's ministers. And they don't really serve God. They serve Satan and themselves. Job chapter 1, verse 9, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught or for nothing? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased to the land. He said, oh, only reason Job worships you and praises you and, and talks about you and glorifies you is because all the physical benefits that you've had for him. And so God permitted Satan to take him away and what Job do? He said, naked have I come... Uh, let me get it right now. Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what he did? He worshipped the Lord, didn't he? Amen. <clears throat> Satan will seek to get you and I to believe his accusations about God's Word. Satan falsely accuses God of not keeping His Word. says, oh God can't do that. Oh God won't do that. makes false accusations against the power of God. He'll make false accusations of our fellow saints and church members so that he can cause a strife in the church. Maybe you've thought, well, how come Brother Hilly did this? Or how come he did that? Well, why don't you ask him? And maybe Brother Hilly don't know why he did this or that. Maybe Satan's planting some seeds of strife for some false accusations. I, I, I marvel when people tell me, well, I know this is why you did that. That's not why I did that at all. It's just amazing when we, we came here and some of the questions we were asked, not by all, but by folks, and they said, they said well, why are you going to Florida? And I said, because the Lord moved us there. So, well, is it, is it a bigger church? I said, no, it's about the same size. He said, well, is it more money? And I said, no, it's less. And boy, I tell you what, people couldn't figure out. There, there's no earthly reason they don't believe in the Holy Spirit leadership, do they? And so they want to say, oh, well, he's going to a bigger church. Oh, there's bigger opportunity. Oh, there's more money. Well, there was none of that. The Lord took all that away. There was nothing in it except the leadership of the Lord in doing so. Now you examine the Scriptures and see if Satan doesn't falsely accuse you and I about some things. He uses all manner of things. He tried to destroy Joseph with the false accusations of Potiphar's wife. He's tried to destroy 
uh, ministers of God with false accusations, churches with false accusations. He'll use money. He'll use anything in the world. That's why we have records. That's why we keep them. That's why I keep every receipt. I document all of it so that when there's a false accusation, it can be refuted. As I said before, if you make a false accusation against me, guess what? It's going to come back on you. If I make one against you, it's going to come back on me. Because if you can't prove that I did something, we're going to turn the sword at the other person. We're going to handle things in a biblical way. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Another one of Satan's devices is he beguiles. Well, I tell you what, people throw out false accusations and you know, one of these days, if, if, if God's going to take care of those accusations, isn't he? He's going to deal with folks. In Second Corinthians, or excuse me, yes, Second Corinthians chapter eleven and verse three, we find that Satan beguiles people. Here again, this is described. It says, "But I fear, lest by any means is the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety." So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The Scriptures and Christ are very simple, aren't they? The Gospel is very simple. It's not complicated. And here, Paul records that the serpent, Satan embodied in him, beguiled Eve through his subtlety. The word beguiled here means to seduce wholly or to deceive. It is to entice or to draw aside in any manner, particularly through flattery and promises and bribes. It is to tempt and to lead into iniquity. And that's exactly what he did. Satan, not only did he raise false accusations against God, and notice this, he will put all of his devices in together and just roll them all together. He's not just going to use one weapon. He'll put multiple ones together. Like a multi-pointed spear. The Bible tells us that he beguiled her. The Bible says in Revelation 12, 9, it says... The, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He deceives the whole world. He deceives lost people into thinking they don't need the Lord. He deceives them into thinking they don't need to worship God. He deceives them that Jesus is, coming, is, not, is not going to come again. He deceives people that they're never going to stand before judgment and that hell is not real. Well, he's a deceiver. He entices and he draws a sign in many different manners. This is his work. These are his devices. And he's very cunning at them. He's very crafty. You ever, you ever been... And, and no offense, Brother Frankie, but you ever know the salesman who could talk you into buying anything? <laughs> I mean, folks are good, aren't they? 
You ain't got no money to buy it in the first place, but next thing you know, you're buying it. You don't need it. There's people like that. They got a way of talking about them. They can come and they can present things and they put you at ease and it's all the tactics that there are. And Brother Frankie was telling me when he saw his cards, he says, look, this is what it costs. This is the best deal I can do. Here it is. No pressure. These are the features it has. That's what it is. That's why when we have our services, we have visitors as we had this morning, this is it. We've got Sunday school, Sunday morning, prayer band, preaching Sunday night, preaching Wednesday night, the singing of songs and hymns, the preaching of God's Word, offering up our prayers and supplications to God, praising Him, glorifying Him, lifting up Christ before sinners, lifting up the Lord before the saints, that they might be edified. That's it. This is it. There's no switcheroos. There's no bait and switch. We don't try to entice people to come to Jesus because we believe that Christ, that He by the power of God draws them to Himself. That's the Gospel. That's the simplicity of it. So many have gotten away with it. Oh, you've got to use these tactics and you've got this. The Gospel is not some psychological game. Because again, remember that we're dealing with spiritual things. And if people want to use it psychologically, they're dealing with carnal things and the natural man won't receive it. You can elicit a response from people, but they'll never be saved. That's what Satan does. He's a great deceiver in that. He's made a lot of twofold more children of hell through his ministers. Thirdly, if you look over in John chapter 8, and we had some more things to say about beguilement, but you understand that he seeks to seduce and entice. He sought to entice Jesus when he tempted him, didn't he? He took him up there on the pinnacle of the city, or the pinnacle of the world. He said, look, I'll give all of this to you. It's all within my power. It wasn't within his power. He said, all you got to do is bow down before me and I'll give all of it to you. He tried to entice Jesus Christ to the whole world. I'll be honest with you. As I look more and more upon this world, who would want it? Amen. Who would want it? John 8 and verse 44, thirdly, Satan's a liar. He's the arch liar. He's the original liar. John 8, 44, year of your father, the devil, and lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He is the originator of lying. Remember what he said unto the woman? He said, ye shall not surely die. 
You remember what God said in the previous chapter in Genesis 2 and verse 17? For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And Satan lied to her. Because what happened when she ate? And what happened when Adam ate? They died, didn't they? Satan lies about anything and everything. He lies about himself. He lies about God. He lies about the Christ of God. He lies about the Word of God. He lies about the roles of moms and dads, the home. He seeks to destroy everything with his lies. He lies to you about your need of salvation in Christ. He lies that salvation is solely and wholly in the person of Christ. He lies about eternal security in Christ. He lies and he says, oh, you've got to have this feeling and that feeling when the Bible says that it's the Spirit of God, not a feeling, that dwells within us. He lies by telling falsehoods and he lies by imitating that which is real. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13 it says here 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13 for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. You see, he'll, he'll, he'll lie by imitation. We said this morning that there's only one church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Satan's got all kinds of imitations of the Lord's church. You think there in the Old Testament when the Jews had their had the worship of the Lord and they went off after Moloch and Baal and Ashtoreth, those are all lies of Satan. The same false god. There were Tammuz and Nimrod and, and all of that. All of that originated with Satan. He's the originator of of as the Bible says in Ephesians 4.14 every wind of doctrine he imitates the Holy Spirit the Bible says in the Gospel of John chapter 3 and verse 8 where the Lord compared the Holy Spirit to the wind he said the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth so is everyone that is born of the Spirit we don't see the Holy Spirit, we don't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind, and we see the effects of the Spirit of God. And in Ephesians 4.14, he talked about every wind of doctrine. And people say, well, this is the Holy Spirit brought to sin. And you hear all this new nonsense in our day. You got that, them Pentecostals and their satanic religion. And all the Spirit of God spoke to me. The Spirit of God came to me. No, an evil spirit came to you. And you've given yourself wholly over to it. 
And you've got some doctrine that's not according to thus saith the Lord. And I've heard people just like Satan there on the Mount of Temptation with Christ when Satan began to quote verses and I've seen other people quote verses better than me and better than other preachers but they didn't know what in the world they were talking about. Fourthly, Matthew chapter 16, if you would, we'll find that Satan will work behind the scenes. Boy, I'll tell you what, we've got the greatest demonstration of our lifetime of Satan working behind the scenes. There's a lot he's doing right now. You think the things that are going on in today aren't at the work of him? You better think again. The opposition, I mean, just to give you, just just to give you uh, uh, an instance, just just to give you this understanding. I think, and I may have the number wrong, but in the United States, children are six hundred and sixty-six thousand and some odd more times likely to be abducted than they are to get the coronavirus. When's the last time you heard about the dangers of child abduction on the news? Probably not a long time, if ever. You see all the things? I mean, in California, oh, you can't sing in churches. Really? Now they told them they can't even meet. But the protesters and the rioters and all them who are dismantling society, they can go ahead and do what they want. And if you don't think Satan's behind that, you're delusional. Matthew chapter 16, and notice if you would, verse 21 and 23, it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took Him and began to rebuke Him, saying, Be it far from Thee, Lord, this shall not be unto Thee. But He turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind Me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto Me, for Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. That's a pretty bold statement that he called Simon Peter. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Do you think Simon Peter knew that he was opposing the will of God? He probably was sitting there, look at me, I ought to get a commendation on my record that I'm not going to allow Jesus to be crucified. Well, that was the plan and purpose of God. And here he was in opposition to it. Herod was one of the closest disciples. Christ said to him, he says, listen, you savor the things of this world and not the things of God. See, Satan was working behind the scenes, wasn't he? Satan was working behind the scenes in Job's life because Job was not aware of what Satan had done when he had a conversation with the Lord. He didn't know what took place. 
You and I do, but Job didn't. Brother Raul said in his report, he said that to be in prayer for those families because they're going to receive opposition from their families. You bet they will. You see, many families have been in opposition and people have caved in and not followed the Lord because of family pressure. Listen, many families have lost their sanctification through unbiblical, unscriptural marriages. They married outside of the confines of the Scriptures. They married outside of those who were saved and following the Lord and, and serving the Lord. And so they, they lost their sanctification. Many families have left the Lord through the extracurricular activities of their children. We was in Idaho and another family uh, from another church in another locale. They told us, said, oh, you know about this family? They said, oh, I know of them. They said, well, they don't come to church anymore. In fact, they moved. Now they go to a church that doesn't preach the truth. The church has a whole bunch of stuff going on. And I said, oh, that's terrible. They said, well, they hadn't been to church in so many, so many months and years because of all the extracurricular the kids were involved in in school. Listen. If it gets in the way of you following the Lord and worshiping Him and train up your children the way they ought to go and bringing them unto the house of the Lord, rest assured God is not behind it and He is not pleased with it. Amen. Satan is so subtle, so, so evil, so wicked that he uses all of these things. He's working behind the scenes, folks. Many folks have left off serving God for a 25 cent an hour pay raise. One fella, he, he pastors a church in Oklahoma. He was telling me they had a member in the church and he moved over to Arkansas. No church was there. He was going to get a dollar more an hour. And I realized a dollar was a lot back in the 70s and 80s. That man moved there and they came back to Oklahoma twice for church. He used to come Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And all Satan had to do was dangle $40 a week to get him to the park. Now, if Satan had come to you and said, I'll pay you $40 a week to quit going to church, we'd all go, oh, you can't get me for that. But you see how he worked behind the scenes? You see how he does those things? See, Satan doesn't always come, and rarely, if ever, does he come in a direct attack. Amen. Satan will hang a curse sign in front of us, and we'll think it says a blessing. 
Another thing I'd like you to know, we got this one and then we'll close. But the way Satan works is he takes an inch so he can get a yard. He's very good at that. He's very, very, very good at that. He doesn't go after the hole. He says, give me just a little part. And it's a slippery slope, folks. As the Bible says, their foot shall slide in due time. And I'll, I'll give you this. It's 2020. And my mom graduated high school in 1968. So, 50 years ago. 50 years ago. And the whole scheme of things, 50 years not that long, is it? And at the same time, it, it, it can be a long time. But 50 years ago, my mom said that the girls were not allowed to wear anything but skirts or dresses to school. In Caldwell, Kansas, we had the Chisholm Trail Days. And we had a Czech festival because it was settled by the Czechs. Czechoslovakian people. And they're big on their history there and they like it and they had these can-can dancers which were what today has evolved into a full strip club. But they would go out there and the, they would reenact the can-can dancing and they'd have on dresses and I'll be doggone, I says, my goodness. I said, they're wearing a skirt down to their knees I said, look at their daughters. Uh, of these, these women are reenacting it. I said, the, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, girls of ill refute, if you would, from the 1800s were better dressed than our children in high school in 2010. Isn't that an amazing thing? You see, Satan 50 years ago he just said, just, just give me just a little piece. Give me just a little bit. And now look where we're at. He just started pulling on the thread, didn't he? Just pulling on the thread. And it's been such a slippery slope. And it was so slow. It was such a slow erosion that now we look at it and we go... Well, that's normal. What's wrong with that? And now they look at you and me. They look at my wife and my daughter and they look at me and my boys because we don't wear shorts and they think we're abnormal. And we are. By today's standards. And you look at church services. I mean, they're like rock concerts now. I mean, Elvis didn't have as good a sound system and lights as some of these churches do. Boy, I tell you what, if it weren't for the lights and the smoke and the, the blaring noise, people wouldn't go, would they? You see, he took an inch and now he's got the whole yard. That's how he works, isn't it? And I want you to think about this. 
There's not one area of our lives that He doesn't do this. Your time, your finances, your abilities, your home, your workplace, your church services, your time on your computer, your time alone, He seeks to destroy all of it. You know, we said last week that we need to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary... The devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The word devour means to swallow up and destroy. He is not your friend. He is your adversary. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your testimony if you're saved. And you that are lost, he wants to seek to keep you from being saved. He doesn't want you to hear the truth. And you can't see Him. You can look to your right. You can look to your left. He's, you can't see Him. But He seeks to whisper falsehoods in your ears. Oh, you don't need to be saved. Oh, Christ can't save you. You're fine just the way you are. And all manner of lies... These are his devices and he has others as well, but we see this. We're not ignorant of them. We know. I just went over a good handful of them. So next week, Lord willing, we'll deal with resisting the devil that he may flee from us. I have good news. Jesus Christ overcame him. And in Christ, so can you. To the praise and glory of our great Savior. If here tonight and saved, this is who, who deals with us. Him, His ministers, the evil spirits. And I, I, as I said last week, I struggle with them. You struggle with them. But it's a warfare, isn't it? So I pray that God will bless. We'll have a... Let's stand and we'll have a word of prayer. We'll close the service tonight.